0: old Civil War I have talked about for a few years is getting hotter. I wish it would not. But I want to start with something I noticed in the coverage of Hurricane Ian on this week's Cory Truax Show.
1: Eight
0: Topics 50 broadcast minutes, things I want to say to you in eight different categories that I have prepared for you and I hope prepared well enough that it's worthy of the time you give me because I am so grateful that this many of you give me that time every week. So let's get to it in just a minute. Welcome to The True Act Show, wherever you listen to podcasts and right here on his radio talk. Especially welcome to the gentleman who emailed me this week who said, Hey, this incredible version of Be Thou My Vision. This rock version that you play at the end of your shows, where can I find that? Nowhere. That was produced by Mr. Cody Fields over at Westminster Doxology Podcast. He also has a company. That's really really what he does with the pedals. Uh, And so, uh, shout out to him. Hey, man, you should make more rock versions of hymns. They're in the public domain. You don't have to pay anybody. And they're a lot of fun. Rock is fun. Hymns are better. And so, put those together. But welcome to everybody. Glad you're here. Amongst other things, I get to serve the incredible awesome people of Beachwood Church. I'm a big fan of those folks. I get to serve them as the pastor for teaching. Uh, we are in the process of adding some elders over there at Beachwood. That has been encouraging. It's also been quite the charge for me as we have gone through some curricula and discussions of the incredible honor and responsibility it is to get to care for the bride of Christ, the flock of God. It really hits you hard that the Lord has decided, hey, Here's some precious souls to me. They're precious to me. And their discipleship, in part, I'm going to make part of your responsibility. That's both heavy, but it's also, in some ways, light. In any event, I should probably not talk about church stuff. That was not one of my eight things I wanted to talk about. I'm just, It's just on my mind. So anyway, let's do the things that I actually wanted to talk to you about today. I noticed something in the coverage of Hurricane Ian. It was... Almost as if one of our predominant cults, don't hear me saying that pejoratively necessarily, it's not necessarily negative, uh, cult just meaning religious way of thinking. One of our predominant cults in this secular culture ran up against reality and reality exposed it for the emptiness that it was. That dominant cult I'm talking about is more of a gender ideology, the idea that men and women are in all ways equivalencies. Uh, Of course, the Christian faith would say men and women are equal in honor, and they are distinct in role of absolute equal value, and they do different things well. That's why we need each other. We complement each other so well. Men need women, and women need men. But we've run through an egalitarian several decades, where first it was simply... A woman needs to be out of the household and working so that ultimately she can be a man because the ultimate, apparently, the ultimate thing to be is a man. And so she needs to get out of the house and work. Motherhood needs to be stripped back so that men share a lot more parenting. By the way, it probably was the case in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Men were not parenting properly and were not as involved. That's sort of what the social science shows is that men were earning and women were parenting and there was too much of a line of demarcation where both needed to be doing. Uh, But the parenting, anyway, uh, we we ran off of that uh, further to just more generally women's liberation and uh, sexual liberation, all the way to the idea that uh, we, we don't even know what a woman is anymore. And the idea that there are roles that the different genders play, that's antiquated, that's backward and offensive. And then reality hits. Here's what I noticed first. When I was watching some of the shelters, I saw women doing hard work in the background, handing out bottles of water, organizing those who needed care. I saw nurses, primarily women, taking care of folks who were having medical issues. I saw women doing with excellence and with sweat on their brow, doing what they're so good at. They were caring for those in need. I saw other video. I saw men in boats and in a gear rescuing those who didn't evacuate that should have. I saw men up in precarious situations repairing power lines and getting down into sewers to rework waterways. I saw men outside in rough conditions rescuing animals and kids. Neither one of those are of higher honor or less honor than the other. It just showed me in a single moment, when reality comes up to the predominant cult of gender ideology, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, the worldview that comports itself to reality is displayed for all to see. When reality hits, the masculine go do the hard, rough, and tumble things, and that's good. And the ladies do an incredible job of caring for those who need to be cared for. It's just something I noticed and wanted to share with you. A good way that gender ideology was exposed for all to see is when reality bumps up against it. All right, here's, all, here's how I will transition that. The, the, the gender ideology is one plank in what I have shown you to be a growing religion. I will quickly go through this because we've done it on the show several times. And once you've heard it once from me, I mean, I don't, I don't want to uh, be... I mean, you remember when you were a kid, and you were expecting a new episode of Family Matters or Full House or Step by Step or Boy Meets World. That's my age group if you're in your mid to late 30s. And you turned it on and it was an, a rerun and how upsetting that was. Like I don't want to ever sound like a re- rerun, but it's good just to review some of these things. Uh, Christians throughout time... Have had to encounter and then counterbalance prevailing religions that were pagan. The I mean, Paul had to do that in several cities. You can get the best, maybe the best version of that on Mars Hill. There are, were various pagan religions that Christians have had to contend with wherever they were in all contexts and at all times. For the West, so think America, Britain, England, uh, Britain and England are the same thing. My apologies, Canada, Germany, France there is in the western world a growing cult a glow, the growing religion of progressive leftist wokeism. we've given it lots of names and i've i've just found here recently that there's another way in which i have found found that premise to be true that we are having a spiritual battle against a pagan religion it's not just a different set of ideas for people, a religion has come up. So let me review some of them very fast, and then I'll go slow on the new one I found to establish what I said, that this is a religion. and It goes to the d- hurricane, by the way, as well. So this is starting here with hurricane talk. It's the things that I noticed. So, leftist progressive wokeism is uh, has all the trappings of religion. It has an origin story. We like just us. We have an origin story in Genesis, whether you think that's a historical story or not. It's the story that we give for the origin of origin of man and why we are the way we are. Their origin story is meaningless matter. We evolve from nothing. It means nothing. Everything will burn out. Humans are meaningless and therefore don't need to be prioritized. You get the pleasure that you can while you're here, and then you die. It's a meaningless origin story. Uh, The second thing every religion has to have is an explanation as to why things went wrong. Our origin story says original sin. Man chooses himself and herself over trusting God. It brings suffering into the world. What went wrong in the wokest religion world is privilege and prejudice. Those who had some power... Um, the original sins are committed really only by people with things. If they have power and prejudice, that was the sin, and it's caused all of our strife throughout time, is that some people had power and privilege, some people didn't have power and privilege. Then every every religion has a redemption story. So it has an origin story, a what went wrong story, and then how do we get back to when things were right? For Christians, it is redemption, it's repentance, it's faith in Jesus, and we move back towards God's good design the way things were. The conversion in wokism is finding wokeness. It's allyship. It's that's what they call it. It's becoming an ally. It's it it actually it is kind of like a the same, same way that some versions of Christianity say to be born again, their eyes have been opened. Well that's what it is to go woke. You have your eyes have been opened to the real the real world, the real world around you. So it has its own origin story. We've gone over all that before. It has its own symbols, right? So we know the, the Islamic symbol is that black flag thing. It's got its own, uh, there's other symbols of the, the Jews have their own, well, that, actually the Jews don't really claim the Star of David. That's more of a national thing. But they have their own symbols that they have. Christians obviously use the cross. Some try to use different depictions of an empty tomb, I've noticed here lately. But the wokest religion has their own symbols. It's really the Pride flag, the Pride flag, and all now 130 of them or so. That's their symbols. They have doctrinal statements. You know, we say a version of like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed at Beechwood Church every week. We've amalgamated those two and some other statements, and we say what we call the Beechwood Creed. I will not go through the whole thing, but it goes: We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And we just go through doctrinal statements. The leftist progressive wokeism has doctrinal statements. Black Lives Matter, doctrinal statement. No human is illegal. Trans rights are humans' rights. Love is love. Trust the science. These are all just doctrinal statements in their religion. And it's clear right now, obviously, that they are the dominant religion. The same way that Christianity was the dominant religion throughout the West for hundreds of years, first the Catholic version and then the Protestant version. In the way we could tell, the Christianity was the predominant and excuse me, not predominant, yeah, that's the word predominant religion in the area is its symbols and its messages were everywhere. So it would not be odd to have a prayer in school or to have the Ten Commandments put up somewhere, they were in government buildings and schools. Those are out now, and now what do we see? We have pride flags in your schools and in government buildings will fly the gay pride flag above it we've you you have it in uh, i mentioned when christianity was dominant it was in the programming the the plays people wrote the poets the poetry people wrote often used biblical illusion and you were teaching the virtues even if you weren't teaching bible you taught the virtues of honesty and self-sacrifice and duty and now our our programming, the things that we put into, especially for kids, um, Disney and Nickelodeon will highlight uh, drag queens and teach LGBTQ stuff to children there, and some schools will have dr- drag queens into their uh, into their libraries. So it's obviously the predominant religion right now. It has if there's a se- there needs to be a separation of wokeism and state. We now even have governments taking kids away from parents for not affirming their, uh, their, their delusion about their gender. You can see all, now these are coming to me, all of the institutions, even the church, like mainline apostate denominations will fly the Black Lives Matter or, or gay pride flag. Giant corporations are governed by environmental... Uh, what's that, environmental something, ESG, can't, environmental social governance, something like that, uh, where they're not looking for profit, they're looking to stay in good alignment with the religion. The, so what's, what's the religion in my country want me to do? It wants me to take into account and to value these things. We have entire giant corporations that will take you through pronoun training and white privilege training. We have public health officials that struggle to tell you the truth about monkeypox being primarily affecting gay men because it offends the faith. It is a, an apostate thing to say. You, can, you could commit heresy by doing these things. So we have this dominant leftist woke religion that currently is dominant. And I noticed recently that they have become a lot like the Christianity that I grew up in. That our art... Our songs and our TV and the movies we tried to make, they weren't about being good first. They weren't about telling good stories. They were about making a social, a social point. So we were making a point about marriage, fatherhood, adultery, sexuality, drugs, alcoholism. We were making a point, and so our songs and our movies weren't very good because we didn't try to make them good. We tried to make a point with them, and so they couldn't be good. And now that's what's happening with movies and TV and songs in progressive wokeism. I noticed that recently. We talked about that. Now, here's the new one. I noticed with Hurricane starting to see a pattern that many on the left woke religion are starting to sound like Pat Robertson. Do you remember Pat Robertson? I think he's still alive. I'm not sure. He hosted the 700 Club for years. And when there would be natural disasters, he was the first one to say God did it to punish something. When there was major earthquakes or hurricanes, God was punishing someone somewhere. It was for abortion here. It was for homosexuality here. When one giant one hit Haiti, I think it was an earthquake, he said God sent that because there's an ancient, like demonic agreement over Haiti or something. And as I was watching the news, there was people. There were people on the woke left saying, "You know, Ro- Governor Ron DeSantis and the folks who runs Florida they deny climate change or whatever." And now see what's happening to them. See that the gods are punishing Ron DeSantis in Florida. I saw. I, I, it made me realize. That that happened in Texas a couple years ago when there was that blackout, that a major freeze in Texas, and their power grid couldn't take it when people were trying to heat their homes. And it was, again, the same thing. The gods of climate change have punished the conservatives and the Christians in Texas for denying the power of Mother Earth and the climate. The leftist candidate for Senate in Wisconsin said Of When Republicans got shot up, uh, well, one got shot. I think Steve Scalise was his name. But that guy tried to kill a bunch of Republicans back in 15, 14 or 15. He said, this is what happens when you don't support gun control. It was as if they were saying, the gods are getting revenge on you. And it was a dumb, idiotic thing when Pat Robertson said it. And it's a dumb, idiotic, unbiblical thing when the left woke are saying it, and I just thought I would add it to the repertoire. So for at least our audience, I want that to be made really clear. Leftist wokeism is a religion, and it's trying to form its theology. It's a new religion. It's only a little younger than Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses, and those pagan false religions. And it's trying to put together its theology, and apparently it's going to add to it there are gods of consequence that if you don't agree with the gods of wokeism, the planet itself will punish you, and they only continue to sound more and more like the Christians that they hated, or that they hate. I spent more time on that than I wanted. When we come back, I thought a governor's candidate talk, took a took a question on abortion and did a good job. I want to talk about that, and then I told you in the earlier tease that cold civil war is getting warmer. I'll give you details when you come back for the rest of The Cory Act Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. of course, only about a month away from a midterm election. I'll give you some analysis on that in the future. More than the election, I want to highlight how the, the largest sin of our time, the most severe sin of our time, the sin of abortion, is affecting those Senate races and try to do some ethics and how we walk through that with two of the races in the midterms. We'll do that in just a second. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. You can email the show if you are so inclined at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. You can also find me wherever you are on the social medias, as long as you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and not on the Ticker Talker or the Snapper Chatter, because I'm too old for that. On those other three, look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there, and I hope you'll find uh, some information. Well, I don't know if you'll find information there. More entertainment. And if you want to send me stuff for the show, that's how to do it. I want to start with Carrie Lake. She is the Republican nominee for governor in Arizona. Not my not my kind of conservative. A little bombastic for my taste. S- gets a little, uh, a little too far on some of the con- to conspiracy stuff. Like she flirts with it a little too much for me. Well, actually, flirting with it at all is too much for me. And not a little. It's a lot. But she was recently asked about abortion. And I thought she handled it exactly the way folks on the right should handle it. These, especially when you are a politician or someone with some power, when the media is asking you something, they're asking you to try to trip you. They're against you. That's the nature of the media. The media is a leftist institution. And even though I'm not a huge Carrie Lake fan, I thought she handled this really well. It's the exact way. While she says it maybe with a harsh tone, I think we can learn something too if it ever comes up and how to talk about it strategically, just maybe with some more kindness. So you'll first hear a little quietly the reporter asking the question at a press conference and then Carrie Lake responding. Tell me abortion is effectively banned in the state right now. Tell me do you is that something that you support?
1: I support saving as many lives as possible. And what I really want to know and I've been waiting, I tune into you guys all the time. I want to know where Katie Hobbs stands. But na-
0: perfect. Deflection. No, she she answered the question. Yeah, I I want to save every life we can. That's what I want to do. You know, I I'd love to know where my opposition stands because just for example that Lindsey Graham bill that was whatever not I mean I don't think it was a great idea but the that Lindsey Graham bill that was 15 weeks a federal abortion ban after 15 weeks that's about where Americans are I think people miss that the actual radical thing as I've been saying to you many times the actual radical thing is the democratic platform and where the left stands that every abortion at any time for any reason is not just maybe necessary it's something to celebrate throw a party for be proud of that's where the other side stands and so her bringing that up here is actually quite smart i never hear you guys
1: ask for that i'm pro-life my plan would be that every woman who walks into an abortion clinic know that there are options out there they don't have to choose that there's families who would love to adopt a baby and right now the way it's been going they go in and they they only have one option that's it Nobody True. tells them that there's other options. Yeah. We want to help our women. If they're afraid, we want to help them. True. We want to give women health care, and I want to help people. But I really challenge you, and I'm, I'm happy to get back to you on this, when you find out where Katie Hobbs stands, because let me tell you where she stands. She supports abortion right up until birth Thank and you. after birth. That's
0: right. She
1: supports if a baby survives a botched abortion, that that baby die on a cold metal tray. True. And none of you ever try to get her to talk about her stance so get back to me after you do Thank
0: and you. tell her the rest of it is mostly just cheering about 30 more seconds of that but really well done this is the case with most policy uh, questions for media they turn it to immigration are you, do you really want to deport a bunch of people well you know not not necessarily I mean I, I could find some path to citizenship for everyone that's here that they have to do some kind of recompense and stay hey but I'm actually really curious. The people who disagree with me—have you asked them any skeptical skeptical questions? Are they just saying anybody and everybody? It's Ali, Ali, all come free. Anybody who walks across the border, we give them a social security card, sign them up for social services, and give them a welfare check. Like, what is there any limitation to their position? You constantly ask me about mine. Is there someone else? Is there a limitation on anywhere else? And so that's where I, th- I think we can learn something. Where. Uh, there's a natural skepticism because the, because worldliness is infected with leftism. The natural skepticism is going to be towards rightism, conservatism, and any kind of biblical worldview. And so it's important to help people turn their minds on to skepticism of worldliness and secularism. Because even the secular mind, folks who have just lived in a Western world with the common grace of coming up through a society built on the Reformation and the Enlightenment... They find indubious and disgusting the idea of the killing children that are well developed. And so by saying, well, you know, yeah, I I am pro-life and I want to save every life we possibly can. Hey, I'm curious. These other folks over here, their position is every abortion at any time for any reason is a moral good to celebrate. What do you think about them? So we can not just strategically, but accurately show what the real radicalism is. The real radicalism is that second position. Any abortion, at any time, for any reason. Now, this one is not any fun at all. The midterms and how they're being affected by abortion. So, of course, there was the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade, fired up a bunch of folks on the left because the left hearts abortion. You can get a sticker on some websites that will tell you that. They heart abortion. In Cary Lake, that's a good job of turning it around. That's a good strategy. But just south of me, there is a war raging for the Senate between uh, Raphael Warnock, who will stand before God one day to answer uh, how he puts on that wannabe pastor's, uh, let's go with affect, and, quote, preach sermons, end quote, on Sunday morning, and in every way bastardized the Bible for his own political and personal ideology and aggrandizement and uh, self-enrichment. He'll stand before God one day for what he's done in bastardizing the Bible. He is faced off against a very bad candidate, a guy who is not qualified to be in the U.S. Senate, and I wish was not the nominee, uh, the former Philadelphia Eagle, and then Georgia Bulldog. He was I would say the second most gifted running back in the last 50 years. He's running for Senate, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker has a verified checkered past with some mental illness issues that he would blame on his domestic violence and some outbursts in his younger years. He's now, I think 60 or getting close to 60 and has shown some, some recompense and repentance over those things. I, I I want to believe that's true. But this week, because we are a month out, his opposition has hit him with something they've been sitting on for a while. I know. That's how this works. I used to do this, by the way. Politics was my thing. It's called the October Surprise. That's when uh, John Kerry uh, had that fake story released about George W. Bush not serving his National Guard time, not showing up. Um, it's, uh, there's been, oh, I can't go through the history. I'm about to give you the history of October surprises, and that's not on my list of things I wanted to do today. So this is the October surprise, a month out, not trying to get people to vote for Warnock. This is very specific strategy. It's just try to get people not to vote for Walker, because here's the story that they tell. His opponents tell a story of a woman who's come forward, she's remained anonymous, that says over 10 years ago she had a sexual relationship with Herschel Walker, became pregnant, and that Herschel Walker paid for her abortion. And so, of course, that's not uh, something that many evangelicals are going to be okay with. And while they may not show up and vote for Warnock because he is a pagan and uh, a progressive leftist wokest, maybe they just don't vote for Senate. It's actually quite interesting to me that in the 2020 election, there were, oh, I saw this number recently. It was 11,000. There's 11,000 people who, in Georgia, voted for president and voted for no one in the Senate races. They just left them blank. And that tells me also that Warnock knows he's in trouble because he's not trying to win votes. He's trying to discourage his opposition's voters. This is one of the legitimate strategies in how you count votes and try to get a win. Now, as for the story, Walker denies it, denies it strongly. He says he's going to file a lawsuit against the Daily Beast who published the allegation. I think we should take a proverb to this discussion. One of the proverbs says, when you hear one side of the story, it sounds true until you've heard the other side of the story. I'm paraphrasing that. If you Google that and the word proverbs, the right proverb will come up. I think it's somewhere in the teens. But yeah, when you uh, I, I found this in pastoral ministry. I found it in work settings. When you hear someone's side of the story, it sounds compelling, and you're almost naturally on their side, and then you go gather facts from someone else that's also involved, and you go, oh, I feel very differently now. Now that I've heard both sides of the story, this is actually quite complicated. So it's an allegation from a woman who is anonymous that costs you nothing when you're anonymous to make an allegation. I, bel- I generally believe in innocent till proven guilty. There is some chance. Some receipts are going to come. Maybe very literal physical receipts. I don't know. With Herschel Walker's name on it from a Planned Parenthood. I don't know. But I, I got a question from uh, someone on Twitter that asked, so would, would you vote for Herschel Walker if this is true about him? A couple things. One, um, I I'm not, I wouldn't be excited about buddy for Herschel Walker, period. I think he's got a lot of problems. I hope, he gets, I hope he wins this election. I do. And then I hope he gets primaried and, re, and removed. He's just not a qualified, serious person to be in the U.S. Senate. It's one of our major problems right now is celebrity wins things. That's not healthy. But this one isn't particularly hard for me, especially because he's denying it. But it, even if he, let, let's say it, it comes forward, he admits it and very specifically important, expresses regret and some repentance. This one isn't hard. He's accused of using his own money to fund the ch- killing of a child, for which I his character shows he would express great remorse. His opponent wants to use your money to fund every killing of, ch- of a child and talks about it glowingly. He loves abortion. He loves the shedding of innocent blood. And I have some scripture that would say, woe to those that run to the shedding of innocent blood. Now, this isn't hard at all on the abortion part, but for a lot of other things when it comes to voting. And so in that one, yeah, I wouldn't like it because I don't like him, but this story doesn't change that calculus. Herschel Walker meets the minimum requirement of being a somewhat decent person, uh, even if, though he's not serious and I don't think he's that smart, that this has not changed the calculus considering who his opponent is and where his opponent stands on just loving abortion and wanting to use my money and yours. He wants to use my money and yours to fund elective abortions. So I'm going to finish here. There's the always the the case where pro-abortion people like to ask the edge questions to people like me. They want to have the whole debate on, what about rape and incest? What about abortions there? All right, well, it's less than 1% of abortions. I'd like to talk about the other 99% if we could, and then we'll come. Now, we'll come back to those. I have some things to say about that, but let's deal with the 99% of abortions first. And I've always wanted a equivalent, and I recently came up with it. So for, for pro-abortion people, this is what they should have to be asked. Are you in favor of, or, or, or this way. Will you be willing to condemn recreational abortion? And here's what I mean. I'm, I'm painting a cartoonish picture here. I don't think this woman exists on the planet. I mean that. There's 7 billion of us. I don't think this woman exists. It's. I'm exaggerating to make the point. They, they're trying to make an argument with less than 1% of abortions with rape and incest. Here's my argument. A woman who just likes abortions and she likes late-term abortions. So she on purpose, goes out, hooks up, gets pregnant with regularity so that every eight or nine months she can have an abortion. She just likes it. She thinks abortion's awesome, and she does it recreationally. Are you, and and specifically, they're late term. She loves late term abortions. Are you at least willing to say, that's bad? You're willing to condemn that practice? And here's the thing. I'll tell you this. The President of the United States wouldn't condemn it. The Vice President wouldn't. The Speaker of the House, the uh, the Senate leader, not a single one of them would condemn it. They would just say, well, a woman has a right to do what she wants to do with her own body. You could ask that absurd of a question, and they're so dedicated to the killing of the unborn. They would say, the woman who gets pregnant 15 times to have late-term abortions on purpose, you got to leave her alone. No medical necessity. That's That's how dedicated they are, and so I've come up with my own. Absurd question to just to expose how dedicated these folks are to abortion. I told you I think it was six topics in 50 minutes. I'm about to take the break, and when we come back, I, man, I still have one, two, three, four, five. I want to try to get through five in the final 17-ish minutes. We'll do that when you come back for the rest of The True Act Show on his radio talk and wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll try to get the five stories and commentary thereon in the next 17 minutes. Let's see how fast I can go. Welcome back to The Cory Act Show, wherever you find podcasts and right here on his radio talk. Glad to have you with us. for years now, I've been saying the United States of America is in a cold civil war. It's a cold war because we don't hurt each other, but it's a civil war because we do hate each other. And I noticed recently several stories that showed the Cold War is getting hotter and i cannot tell you how much i want to preclude the possibility that it gets any hotter than it, than it is we are peacemakers i'm naturally inclined to peace don't like the rancor it's exhausting to me and because we're for human flourishing we are not for settling things with violence unless it's absolutely necessary and if the people inflicting violence are the right people the for example, governments have been given the sword to do law and order and criminal justice. Moms and dads have been given corporal punishment and other forms of punishment. But when it comes to violence, it need not be used by those who don't have the authority to use it. And I've just seeing some discouraging stories I'll tell you, too. You might have heard about Joan Jacobson. She's a 84 year old retired nurse, a grandmother. She's with a pro life group, and she was walking around a neighborhood in suburban Michigan, trying to drum up votes on or get a petition signed regarding a proposal on the ballot in November in Michigan for abortion. She was shot. She lived. She was shot in the shoulder. We'll call it a superficial wound. I would also say anyone getting shot at the age of eighty-four, it's hard to diminish the severity of what could have happened there. What we found is that the guy who shot her, last name his name is Richard Harvey, says later that he thought he was firing a warning shot. He did fire one warning shot. He was trying to fire another, but that second one accidentally hit her. I don't know if you about if you don't know anything about warning shots and and how threatened you feel by an 84-year-old woman who is walking around with a clipboard and no weapon, warning shots are often fired into the air. They're supposed to indicate, I have a gun. See how loud it is? Pew, pew, pew. Very loud gun. Stay away. You don't shoot at the person if you're doing a warning shot. But nevertheless, he did. On the 911 call that's recorded, he... He calls her a right wing nut, and the woman on the phone, his wife, has plenty of bad things to say about her because she's walking around trying to, quote, stop Proposal 3, which would codify the rights of Roe versus Wade into the Michigan Constitution, I believe, is what Proposal 3 does. And so this man found fit that because this woman who is on the other team doesn't think like him and was going around. Let's call it proselytizing or evangelizing towards her, towards her view, being mobilized to bring about a policy outcome that she wanted, he found fit to shoot her. He has been charged. Two. In North Dakota, a young man, eighteen years old named Kaylor Elsington, died under a man's truck. A guy named Shannon Brandt was very drunk. It's very clear to me once I get all the police reports and all of the reporting out of the situation that folks on my side, they're not reporting it rightly. They're reporting that Shannon Brandt and Kaylor Elsington got into a political fight. By the way, Shannon Brandt's 41. Kaylor Elsington is 18 years old, or was 18 years old, before he was murdered, like being run over by a truck. The the uh, story you're getting from folks that are aligned with me is that they had a political argument and Brandt lost his cool and hit a kid with his car and then ran him over. That does not seem to be what happened after you get all of the investigation. It's clear a couple things are true. Brandt, the 41-year-old, was maybe blacked out drunk. And what there were some kids fairly late at night who were, apparently conservatives, they're aligned with the Republican Party or something like that in that area, that there was, uh, Shannon was driving through with this truck, there was some kind of altercation there, and in that argument, he ran him over. He killed an 18-year-old while drunk. Now, later, on, the, on a call, Brant says to 911, because he's he's reporting what happened, in trying to justify himself for what he did, one of the things he brings up was, well, he's a Republican extremist. He's a he was a Republican extremist. So while the actual altercation leading to the murder, it doesn't seem like it's political at all, it tells me something about the collective mindset that while trying to make an excuse for himself, he came up with, well, this guy's conservative. It's a... It it tells you something about the messaging. Well, how could I not get in trouble for killing somebody? Well, what if they were just like not worth being a person? You know, I've heard from my own president in in two separate speeches that these are the worst people in the world. They're a threat to everything. My media tells me they are a danger to democracy and fairness. They're a danger to the way of life in the country. I might as well. I mean, I got to find some sympathy if I killed one of them. Can I prove that is the logic? I don't. I don't have proof for that. But there's something there because they weren't having a political argument. And then when it came down to try to justify himself, he came up with that. Now, listen, I've said it many times I don't ever blame rhetoric for people's actions. People are responsible for the things they do. It wasn't Bernie Sanders' fault that that nut job went and tried to kill a bunch of Republican congressmen at a baseball field, even though that guy said you know a lot of stuff that Bernie Sanders says, and you know, he, took, he took it seriously that if you take away health care, people are going to die, and so I'm going to kill you. The guy's disturbed, but he is responsible for his own actions, as is the Shannon Brandt guy. I, I won't say, unlike those who would be my interlocutors, those who would debate me, that there's some kind of culpability for the, for the rhetoric saying, folks on the right are dangerous. It just means something about our state of mental health. We're already a mentally ill people. And then there is a group of people, I think they're like me, we get vilified. These are the people that are holding the country back. And so when you get that kind of messaging... It's easier to see them as not human. And so you shoot an 84-year-old woman. And when you run over an 18-year-old guy in your drunkenness and trying to make an excuse, you say, well, he was, you know, he's an extremist. Not much different than I think an ancient Jew would have said, well, no, it was a Gentile. That an ethnic strife throughout human history, when you do something bad to the other ethnicity, you just kind of brush it off. Yeah, but they were that other group. So that I can do whatever I want to with them. They're dogs. A cold civil war is getting a little warmer. May we endeavor and pray that it does not get any hotter than it already is. Next, there is uh, some religious freedom updates. This is where I spend a lot of my time on policy now. is I, I am interested in having a country where my nephews and their families that they ri- raise can be free to practice The religion Jesus gave us and do it in public, not just privately in our homes or privately in church, but to live lives fully integrated. That everywhere I go, I'm a Jesus follower. And so, two updates for you on the religious freedom front. One, uh, let me stop there real quick. I said very specifically, religious freedom. One of the word games that another religion is playing, the wokists are playing, is they'll say freedom of worship. That is not what the Constitution says. Freedom of worship makes it sound like you can go to your church, you can go home, and you can do your worship, but nothing in public. Now, we have a freedom of religion in all of life, not just segregated to certain parts of life. The Supreme Court will be hearing arguments in the next several weeks on a case where the following is true. A woman who created a, a business where she designs wedding websites. She's good at it. It's artistic. It's what she wants to do. She wants to add to her website a little disclaimer that says she's happy to serve biblical marriages and biblical weddings. So, therefore, if you are coming to her for website services as a gay couple, she does not want to serve your wedding and wants to be able to legally do that. The state of Colorado, where she is, the bigots in the state of Colorado who hate Christians. That's a lot of the infrastructure there, at least in the political power. Christian-hating bigots went after her, and now she's going to have to try to defend herself in front of the Supreme Court with the help of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Maybe two or three things on this. One, I already know the argument. The argument's lazy and stupid that gets made on this. This constantly gets compared to racism. This is going to go back to the Jim Crow days where there's going to be a sign that says only whites allowed. It's going to be people with websites that say only heteros allowed. No, no, it's very stupid. Uh, This is not, not, not a racism thing for a couple reasons. I'll give you just give you one good one. A wedding is an action. It's an action people take. Believe me, I'm about to have one. It's a lot of action. Can't wait to just be married. Marriage is going to be, I hope, a lot easier than a wedding. <laughs> but wedding is an action. It's not a state of being. It's not a quality. It's not a quality of mind that I have a wedding. It's a quality of mind that I'm a Christian. It's a quality of mind that I'm uh, six foot tall or whatever. These are qualities. They're they're innate. A wedding is an action. You can't conscript me like you're drafting me into a war or making me row your boat. I can't, you can't conscript me into your action. So race and weddings aren't the same thing. You're still totally abiding by public accommodation law that anyone is open to your doorfront or to your website, but you can't make me be a part of something that I find more morally aberrant. And I think she's going to win the case on those grounds. The argument's very strong. But I'll go ahead and say this out loud too. I would choose a free world that's dangerous and offensive over a safe and unoffensive world that's in bondage. So if we were going to be so free that some sinful racist actually said, I only want to serve people of this kind, I, I would rather a world, if I have to pick, I'm going to pick the radical world where he's free. And then all of us together can make sure he gets none of our business, and we make sure all of our we make very clear this person in our town, it com- commits this type of sin against brothers and sisters in our town, and we hope that he goes out of business. We're gonna pray We're gonna pray against his evil. So it's so one thing here is the the Supreme Court case is coming up. I think she's on firm footing because a wedding is not a person. But also, when someone makes an argument and compares homosexuality to race, I don't mind saying. I'll take freedom that's dangerous over bondage that is safe. Number two religious freedom case that's going to have to uh, be adjudicated. There's a woman named Paige Casey in Northern Virginia. She's worked at a CVS for quite a few years. Four years ago, this Catholic woman decided she really could not, in good conscience, prescribe not prescribe, sorry, fulfill prescriptions for pills that cause abortions. Whatever your opinion on that is totally irrelevant. Her conscience says she cannot fulfill those. CVS did the right thing and gave her an accommodation. Someone else can fulfill those. You just stay at work and you keep working, fulfilling the prescriptions that you can fulfill. For seemingly a completely arbitrary and capricious reason that they have not itemized, CVS fired her. Said your your, your exemption is gone, and if you will not fulfill these needs, then you're just fired. They're going to have to itemize what changed because she's had that accommodation for four years and the Alliance Defending Freedom is also representing her. I would tell you two things. You can sign their petition. These petitions are helpful. It's adflegal.org, adflegal.org. Sign the petition in support of Paige Casey. And also if you have an extra five, $10, something like that, you should, you should give to these types of folks. They're doing good work, in establishing precedence to show I get to be a Christian at work. I get to start a business and be a Christian when I start my business. I don't have to be a functional atheist when I go to work. It's very important uh, cases there. Religious freedom updates. Well, oh, I'm running out of time. Let's do this one. I am uh, grateful for Bill Gates saying the right thing for once. Recently at a conference, he was asked about... Uh, the, the folks doing the climate science-type mitigation where they're trying to get people to change their lives, like change how they heat and cool their homes, what they drive, and he was just very pragmatic and said, you're not going to get people to do that. You're not going to change the behavior of 5 billion people who live in the developed world. What you need is good innovation and find ways to have a healthy planet. This is a concern for Christians. Have a healthy planet in, in more creative ways. So things like carbon capture and ways to send our our waste off into outer space instead of ha- having it here on Earth. These are the solutions going forward. And I don't know what happened to Bill Gates, but that's a logical thing to say. Secondary point on this, I've always been confused on why we decided Bill Gates was someone someone we were listening to about health stuff and climate stuff. It's a weird thing the American mind or probably the human mind does. We think that because someone was good at one thing, that they must be generally knowledgeable. But that's not true. Bill Gates knew how to digitize decades-old office processes. So he cr- created software and, well, repurposed other people's software and was good at marketing, to bring pe- br- to bring the office into the digital age and made a bunch of money. He knows nothing beyond that. That's all he's good at. I've noticed that with me. Apparently, I give off some kind of general vibe of competence, but I know I know some theology, I know some higher ed, I know some government. And then I get asked questions about some random stuff sometimes, and I think, guys, you should find the expert for that other thing. Being, one, being good at one thing doesn't make you good at all the other things. Uh, I got to pick one of the final two, and I'll do this one. If you haven't seen it, you should go Google COVID fraud stories of the 6 5 or 6 trillion dollars whatever it was that we just started spending for no good reason that's causing a lot of our inflation now it is clear that about 12 or 13% of all of those dollars were taken fraudulently some from overseas people overseas claiming unemployment benefits that were paid out and now the IRS and several uh, organizations are trying to go after those and recover those dollars but this is what happens governments get too big and try to do too much. You should go Google, Google that story. It really is astounding. I will be back with another new edition of the Corey Act show next week on His Radio Talk and wherever you listen to podcasts. Until then, everybody, peace and love.